Hey guys, welcome to Big Church Online. We are so excited that you've joined us today. If you're looking for any sermons or words of encouragement, you've come to the right place. While you're here, please subscribe, like, comment, share. That way you can stay up to date and help others find it as well. Now, let's get this week's sermon in progress. We're gonna, we were going we to start a new series on James. Well, sometimes the Holy Ghost has a different way of moving you in a different direction. And after baptism Sunday, I'm telling you, everything just went out the window. This morning, we're up in CG. Thank you, Amy, for uh, controlling the chaos of, we changed everything around this morning. But sometimes God doesn't want you to do it the way you've planned on doing it. He's not gonna do revival like he did 40 years ago. He's gonna do a new thing. And sometimes he wants to use those new things. So this morning... This is what we're going to do for the next four weeks. We're going to talk about Jesus. Because Jesus is our message. Listen, there is, he's the way, he's the truth and the life. There is no other story but Jesus. So let's start with scripture right now. Man, I'm not even a quarter way for y'all with me here. Matthew 3.13 says this. Then Jesus went to Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one that needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. Listen to that. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the waters, the heavens opened, and they saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and settling on him. And suddenly, listen, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Here's what was happening. It was a high time for Jesus. You think our, baptize, our baptism was good? Man, I'm telling you what, there were some crazy things going on in the water and it was a high time for Jesus. It was his baptized. This was his day. Y'all ever had a day, a, a defining day in your life? This was the day that Jesus was identified and he was affirmed as being the son of God. The Holy Spirit showed up like he did last Sunday in a major way and he lighted down upon and his ministry. I need to slow down. She's not there to tell me slow down. <laughs> Take a deep breath. His ministry was beginning right there. But here's what he didn't do. He didn't run to Jerusalem he didn't make a reel or a TikTok. He didn't go to Instagram. He didn't Snapchat it. He didn't post it on Facebook. You know what he did? He immediately stepped out of the water into showing that he was as human as we are today. Listen to what he did. Matthew 4.1. After his big day, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Say wilderness. To be tempted by the devil. The enemy, because listen, what happened last Sunday, the enemy has always tried to bring trouble in your life when God does something big in your life. Come on. The devil didn't used to bother me until I got saved. No, he had you then. Now he don't have you anymore. So he's going to throw all hell at you. He's always trying to do something to disrupt what God is doing. In verse 2, he said, And when he had fasted 40 days... And 40 night after that, he was hungry. Some of y'all can't even make it 40 minutes without a meal. My wife is not out here. Oh, she gets hangry if she don't eat every three or four hours. 
so I can't get on her. Where are you at, girl? But he was hungry. Listen, the enemy, you got to understand, he always comes to you in your weakest moments. He always comes to you when you're lonely. He comes to you when you're broken, when you're confused, and when you're isolated. And let me just tell you something. If you serve God long enough, the wilderness will come. John the Baptist was uh, his cousin, and he spent 30 years in the wilderness for six months of ministry. Six months. He gave up 30 years of his life. The children of Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness wandering around in circles. Do you know why? Because God had to get Egypt out of them. Sometimes it takes the wilderness to get Egypt out of us. Oh. There are times in your life that only a wilderness can get your attention. Come on, you ever been in that wilderness? You ever had a time in your life that nothing but the isolation could get your attention? Sometimes the wilderness can turn you on your course. Sometimes you're going in the wrong direction and God can use the wilderness time to spin you right around, to send you back in the place where he wants you to be. And sometimes the wilderness is a place where he can get us to depend on him. They didn't have no food out there. God says, bam, manna, bam, birds flying out of everywhere. I hope it was a turkey, but I don't think it was. Chicken is better than turkey. And then he, then he smacked the rock and, and water started. They had to depend upon him in their wilderness times. There's a quote that says this. I'm going to read it to you. Most people don't enjoy the wilderness. And if you go into it not knowing who you really are, you might wander in circles for years. You've been wandering? But if you can hear what the Father says about you, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Then you will follow the Spirit into the wilderness willingly. So many times God tries to drag us through the wilderness and we're kicking and we're, we're holding down. We wish we had spikes on our feet right here. We're just digging in because we don't want to go. But, knowing he's not, but you know that he's not leading you into a wasteland. He's leading you into a promise. Come on, that's good. That's so good I had to write it down. You might have to go through the wilderness to find your purpose in life. Let's look at verse 3 here. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. The first temptation that he went after was Jesus' appetite. He said, you want some bread? 40 days you haven't eaten anything. I'm about to give you a loaf of Wonder Bread. Wonder Bread is the best bread, y'all. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's that soft stuff. You can just wad up Wonder Bread and just eat it by itself. I look like I need some bread, don't I? But he went after his appetite. He was tempting him with instant gratification. He said, oh, man, you can do it. It's okay. It's all right right now in the moment. But listen, our appetites and our desires lead us into a lot of temptations, right? So come on, we act like we're hungry for something, and the devil puts it out there just a little bit, and, man, we eat it up like a big piece of Wonder Bread. Our appetites and desires. Also, here's what he was doing. He went after Jesus' identity. The devil says, if. The devil, all, enemy always wants to bring doubt to your identity. He says, if he lies about your identity, we start to think when he started listening to him, I am kind of what I am. 
I am what I do. I am who what other, I am what or who other people say that I am, and I am what I have. I've got something, let me tell you something. We also start thinking we gotta do something more to get God to love us even more. We live in a time, oh, and I've, I've battled this my whole life. We live in a time where we think we have to perform for God, and God just says, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But look what God said. He says this, you missed the joke, honey. He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus at that time was identified and he was affirmed as being a son. God was wanting to show his son off. He was like, take that devil. He come up out of the water and he's like, I got you now. I got you now. But listen what he did. He affirmed Jesus before he ever healed anyone. He hadn't done anything yet. He affirmed Jesus before he ever performed a miracle. And listen, he affirmed Jesus before he ever died on the cross for us. He said, this is my son before he has to show me that. He said, this is my son. He don't got to prove nothing. Oh, that's what he's saying to us today. You are my son and you are my daughter. You don't have to prove anything to me. When you accept me, I accept you just the way that you are. Yes, God is going to have... He takes you just the way you are and he cleans you up in the process. How many are still in the process? Get your hands in the air. All y'all are, including me. <sighs> okay, let's go on. He affirmed Jesus before he did any of those things. And listen, we need to move forward out of that same love and acceptance and not in pursuit of it. We're always pursuing God Sometimes to get you to feel a little bit better about yourself, that's not God says, you are who I said you are. You are my son and you're my daughter. Listen, sometimes you just gotta get up every single day and reaffirm yourself and say, God does really love me. No matter what the enemy is trying to tell me in my mind, God loves me. He does care for me. Can we do something? Let's remember those that were baptized last week. Because what's going to happen is the enemy's going to come in. He's going to start filling their mind full of lies. Oh, it, you, you didn't really, nothing really happened there, you know. But we need to do that. And that night on, Sunday, on Wednesday night, we prayed for sticking power. Listen, it's one thing to get baptized. It's one thing to give your heart over to Jesus. That's the first step of the process. Then you need a little help sticking to what you're, what you're going into. So we prayed that night for everyone who got baptized, sticking power. Oh, y'all are in trouble. The title of my message is... Panera, it will still be open probably title of my message is temptation is Oscar Wilde says I can withstand anything except temptation well you when you start thinking about what is temptation temptation the definition is a strong desire to do something especially something that may be wrong or unwise <sighs> going on a diet is a journey <sighs> eating right is a journey 
Have y'all ever been in this, in this situation? I'm gonna go drive by the grocery store. I'm gonna drive by it, but I'm not gonna go in. I promise, I'm not going in. Well, wait a minute, I may go in, but I'm sure not going near the candy aisle. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Listen, I'll just, I'll just kind of get close to the candy aisle, but I'm gonna look, but I'm sure not picking nothing up. Well, I'm gonna pick it up, but I'm not buying it. Well, maybe I'll just go ahead and buy it for later, but I'm not gonna open it right now. Maybe a little smell surely wouldn't hurt anything, but I'm not gonna taste it. Well, I'll take a little taste. Three candy bars later, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Three or four candy bars later, you're like, oh my Lord Jesus, why did I eat all of those candy bars? Kit Kats, yeah. She's been delivered of Kit Kat, y'all. But we think of temptation as mostly external, right? Like that candy bar. But temptation is not found in God. It's not found in the devil. It's not found in your circumstances. It's not found in your situation. It's mostly internal. And can I tell you, temptation is not a sin. Oh, people are like, what are you talking about? Temptation is not a sin. Giving in and acting on that and listening to it, that's when sin starts to come in, come in place. Here's James. We weren't going to talk about James, but here he comes. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire. It ain't the devil that made you do it. Come on, we, got, we, we like to blame the devil all the time, but most of the time it's our own stinking thinking that comes into it. But he says, it's drawn away. All desire is not bad because sometimes you're hungry. Sometimes she's hangry. Sometimes you're thirsty. But once desire has become evil, it causes us to be enticed. That word enticed means being baited or deceived. We got any fishermen in the house? I got a few fishermen over here. Okay, all right. When that fisherman puts that worm on that hook, that worm looks so delicious to the fish, doesn't it? Fish can't resist it. And what happens, he sees it dangling there and it's wiggling around and he swallows it. But to its surprise, the hook was deceitfully hidden inside of the worm. Now that it's inside there, he's hooked. The Bible says he's dragged away. Many in this, war, in this world right now are hooked by the allurements of the world in the same way. We're hooked by fame. We're hooked by advancement, by sex and pleasure and fortune and money. They're very, very attractive. But I'm gonna ask you today, what are you attracted to? Are you attracted to wrong relationships? Being attracted to the wrong people and the wrong situations can cost you a lot. Are you drawn to addictions? And I'm not talking about just substances in here. I'm talking, are you addicted to approval? Are you addicted to people? Are you addicted to acceptance? Come on, we start thinking about addictions and the first thing we go, oh man, they must be a drug addict or an alcoholic. No, 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 I'm talking about we're addicted to things sometimes that we don't even know how to get out from. Oh, that was good. Are you addicted or are you attracted to negative thoughts? to depression, to anxiety. 
Listen, when I said that earlier, you know, that, that pastor said, we got to start speaking life over our situations. And so many times we get up and we're speaking death over our families. We're speaking death over our finances. We're speaking death over our city. God says, now it's time to start speaking life. There's a quote by Tim Shallows that says, temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience. Sacrificing our obedience leads us, I'm gonna say that again, that was good. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience. Sacrificing our obedience does this, it leads us to habitual sin. You will sin. Can I just tell you, there's a difference between sin and sinning. Oh, man, I'm about to meddle. You're going to fall into something. You're going to say something you shouldn't have said. You're going to think a thought that you said. But when it becomes sin, oh, I can't get ahead of myself. When it turns into becoming a habit, that's when the problem comes into what happens when you, obedi- you sacrifice your obedience? It leads to a lack of conviction. And then it leads to spiritual death. And listen, the first thing we start thinking about temptations, we go, oh, adultery and sex and porn and stealing. And yes, those are some things that we have to deal with. But what about these? Are we tempted to tell not quite the whole truth? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. You've been around that person that they, ah, that story, it couldn't have happened that way. Are you tempted to tell that thing and embellish on it just a little bit? Are you tempted to cheat? I ain't talking about cheating on your wife or your husband, but do you cheat on a test? Pastor Minnie cheats at playing cards because she can't beat me. She cannot beat me. Most of the time she beats me, so it's because she cheats. Are you tempted to steal? And I'm not talking about walking into Walmart and just picking up whatever you're going to. I'm talking about Stealing something you know is not yours. Come on. I went through the bank one time and had the lady, he, she, she handed me out my money and I had for a couple hundred dollars, I got that, 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 that envelope and it was that thick. There was 2,000 some odd dollars in that envelope. She had made a mistake looking at the deposit. I drove around. I mean, I was like, man, I could spend me some two grand somewhere. But the Lord said, go back around, hand that in. I did that with a pack of ranch dressing one time. 79 cents, the lady said, why did you bring it back in? I said, because it wasn't mine and I didn't pay for it. Are we tempted to anger? Are we tempted to road rage? She She was delivered from Gene Snyder before we went on vacation and she wasn't delivered on I-65. I had to plead the blood of Jesus over my life three or four times when they're driving. I love you, babe. (laughs) Listen, when you're trying to sleep and she's going, will you please get out of my way? This is the right, this is the left lane. You don't drive in the left lane. And I... I agree, some of them were going slow, some of them were doing 90 and she's still going, this is my lane. Don't you know Mindy owns this interstate? Sometimes the little things 
are the big things. The devil here is getting ready to test God, test Jesus with trusting him. Look what he said in Matthew 4, 6. And he said, if you are the son of God, there's identity, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up in their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Another word for tempt is to test and approve. Test or prove. The difference between God and the devil is that God will test you, the devil will tempt you. God will test you. The devil will tempt you. Giving in to temptation always leads to death because the enemy wants to come and steal, kill, and destroy. That is his only, that is his mission to get us. But can I tell you that testing can lead to growth if you embrace it. Trials without God are going to break you, but trials with God will make you. And well, you know what a test does? A test moves you from one grade level to another. You can't stay in elementary school your whole life. Listen, we're not, was it Adam Sandler? What was the movie? Billy Madison. I know I'm going to do the third grade all over again. You have to be able to advance when tested. Teachers are in the house. You got to test them to get them to move from one grade level to the next. And sometimes that's what God does in our lives. He puts tests in our life to see how much we are going to move when he says to move. Testing, listen, doesn't always mean failing. There's an opportunity in testing to succeed. So many times we're thinking, I wasn't a great tester in school. I'm pretty, fairly smart, but I hated tests. But it's an opportunity for you to succeed and prove the God inside of you. And sometimes they're necessary to just demonstrate the fitness for the assignment that God has for you. Let me tell you something. You're not sitting here by accident. You're not sitting here thinking, I'm not qualified. I don't go to a tent and worship all the time. I don't have a microphone in my hand. God has an assignment for you and you and you and all of us in this room. He's just looking. Are you going to accept that assignment? Tests are not for the sake of the teacher, but for the benefit of the student. James 1.3 says this, that the testing of your faith produces patience. Anybody have any problem with patience in here. Me too. Me too. I love, I ain't saying that. Here we go. But God's tests, they move you forward. He came to a guy named Abraham one day and he says, Abraham, I know you got all the money. You got all this land up in here and, 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 and it looks good and you're comfortable. He says, but I want you to move out of where you're at and I want you to go. And then Abraham says, where do you want me to go? He says, I'll tell you when you get there. Where am I going? I'll let you know when you're about to get there. He said, I just want you to move. And so many times we can't even move out of one place where God wants us to be because we want to see the very end picture of everywhere we're going. Abraham had to move out of his comfort zone. He had to move out of the thing that he had always known to get to know, get to the promise of where God. He says, I'll make you the father of many nations. And he went, 80 years without a child. It's like, when are you going to do this? But you know what the Bible calls him now? It calls him the father of many nations. 
It's because he stepped out when God said, let's go. Listen, we talk about the causes of temptation, but we have to know the course and where it leads us and where it ends up. Listen to verse 15. It says, then, say then. Then. When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is in full growth, we don't talk about this much in church anymore. When it is full growth, it brings forth death. Temptation is like the weed that grows unchecked and destroyed. At the condo we were at, it had literally, there was weeds that had completely taken over the whole area outside of our door there. But a weed has three parts. It has a root, it has a shoot, and it has a fruit. The root of temptation is our, is our selfish desires. It starts with a thought. Mm-hmm. Starts with a tiny seed right here, right? And then it's like conception and pregnancy. You really don't see it until it starts to produce something. Come on. You, you know, ladies, you, you, you've missed a period and you know that there's something going on in your life, but you don't really see it until you start seeing. But it starts to conceive at that moment. The shoot of temptation is a sinful decision and and that's when you start seeing the side effects of everything around you. It's because that decision has went from thinking about it to doing it, basically, yes. But the fruit is what it produces. Finally, it says when it's full grown, it turns into a sin, it turns into spiritual death and even physical death. Well, listen, I'm not gonna leave you with something. I'm almost done. But how do we overcome temptation? We can overcome temptation with God's help. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians. He says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful. Lest you fall. Temptation comes to everyone from the greatest to the least. It started with Adam and Eve in the garden. And David, a man after God's own heart, was tempted and he went the wrong direction. It started with a man named Samson, the strongest man who ever lived, who got a little seed and the devil took it. The enemy wants you to believe these things. He wants you to believe that you're the only one struggling. I'm the only one going through this. Ah, No, you're not. There's There's a lot of other people who are going through the same thing. He also wants to tell you this lie. Everybody's doing it, so it must be okay. That's the big one right now we're facing with in culture. So what do we do? We don't talk about it. We pretend we have it all together. We go through life, and it's just like going, oh, I'm in good shape. But results are failure and defeat. The reality that all of us in this room are struggling with something, and you're not alone because you know what? God is with you. He's here to, to be with you. Look what 1 Corinthians says. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he, oh, he will show you a way out so that you can endure it. You're going to go through it. He's going to show you a way out of it. So many times we go, he's showing us this way and we... Kind of go over here. Uh, Okay, I'm coming out, God. No, you're not. I I pointed that direction. You're going this direction. He said, he'll show you the way, but you have to be able, like she just said, to take that way and move that way. The way you overcome temptation is not by firmly planting your own two feet on the ground and determining I'm going to be strong because that ain't working for nobody. 
It's keeping your eyes on Jesus and standing in him. And saying each day, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it today, God, but with your help, I can do it. I don't know what I'm about to face when I get out of this bed and I start going through life, but with you by my side, I can, oh, I can take on hell with a squirt gun if you're as long as you're with me. Temptation is not a chance to see if you can resist it, resist it or not. It's an opportunity to know that God can keep you from it if you'll trust him. Temptation doesn't prove who you are. It proves who God is. It proves what he's made out of. All right, here's some steps to take practically. When I say these are simple tests, simple steps, you might say, that ain't so simple. Well, some, some things aren't. But here's some practical things you can do. Number one, learn discipline. Discipline is your friend. And if you're married, you understand that. Come on, all you husbands, you know what I'm talking about. Your wife disciplines you often. They said that in Circle Up this morning. I said, I got the queen sitting here on the front row. But discipline can be your friend. She says, I'm a rebellious teenager. Well, I act like a child most of the time, and I agree. But discipline doesn't always work on me. And when you start working out, she's got me doing Pilates in the morning. And when she started doing them, I ain't lying. I was laughing at her. I was like, yeah, that ain't no workout. Let's grab some weights and let's just, come on. Jason, we're going to grab something and curl it. Man, she laid me up there against that wall for about 27 minutes. And I was feeling the burn when I got done. And I had me stretching like a pretzel all over the place. But I'm gonna tell you what happens. When you start working out, you don't see the results of it right then. Two or three weeks later, you start seeing the results of that happening. That's what discipline does. Discipline doesn't mean giving up after the first time. It means continuing to do Pilates even when you don't want to. It means to continue to work out and continue to read your word and pray and ask God to work you through that. That's what discipline does for you. Number two, guard yourself. Guard what you see. We live in a very, we live in a very, I, what's the word I'm trying to come up with? Sensory. I mean, we, we are, we're very, a very sensory overloaded world right now. You have to guard what you see. You have to guard what you hear. And you have to guard what you experience. Who and what you're listening to really does matter. When you're scrolling and what you're looking at, it does matter. What influencers you're listening to, it does matter. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. Number three, sometimes you have to rethink your relationships. Some of our biggest struggles are with the relationships that we're not only in, but we're around. Sometimes the first thing we start thinking of, oh, my hu- that man you gave me, I don't even. And that woman, she's from the devil. You know she ate that apple. When you start thinking about the people closest to us, 
But there is a relationship, there could be some relationships around you that may not be your husband or your wife or your kids. Maybe it's some relationships that you should have severed a long time ago. And God says, I want you to move out of that relationship and you keep moving back into it. And God says, no. God says distance and you get a little closer. And you wonder why it's not working out because God says, I want to move you away from what you're doing. And you know those things in relationships that can trigger you? Anybody got any triggers in the house? Come on, something, you, something just sees it. All of a sudden, you snap and go one to zero to 100. Oh, I got some zero to 100 people in here. Those things that trigger your emotions, those relationships that trigger everything around you, you have to stay away from some of those things. Number four, this is the biggest one. You got to take action. James 1, says this, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So many times we hear what we're not supposed to do. We come to church and, and, and we hear the pastor or the preacher talk about what you're not supposed to do. But we never really dig into the word of God to see what we're supposed to be doing for him. The Bible says we got to quit hearing because it says, when you, in James it goes on to say that that's like looking at yourself in a mirror and then forgetting what you look like after you walk away. And so many, oh, come on, y'all. Sometimes we come to church and, and, and we have an experience and not just with church, but we walk out these doors and we totally forget what we just heard. Oh. Bible says if you let it sink into your heart, your word have I hid in my heart. When you let it sink into you, you can't forget it when you walk out the door. Oh, I'm glad I got my steel toads on. They're not really, but they're good boots. They look pretty good too. She picked them out. Plays to have a good woman. But what when we put what we know into action, that's when we overcome temptation. Because we know, we know what we're not supposed to be doing. We know what we're supposed to be doing. It works both ways. And we keep wondering about what happens in the past. And sometimes God is trying to sever off what we used to think and how we used to think. You're no longer the same, Abigail. You don't think the same way. Even though sometimes, I'm not mashing your hair, but even though sometimes the enemy comes in and he wants to get you to think about what you used to be. So, sometimes you have to be able to look at him and say, I'm not who I used to be. I am renewing my mind. I'm gonna, I, I choose to look at things differently than I used to. I choose not to be addicted anymore. I choose not to think the way that I used to think. God's doing a great thing in your life. Don't let the enemy come in and steal your... Mm. Come on. If you only knew the story sitting in this room... I'm winding down. I'm wound up and winding down. <laughs> but sometimes really the simple practical things is sometimes you just got to get alone and you got to get with God. Sometimes you got to take that break in your day and you know, we're all busy. But God said, man, if you give me that 15, 20 minutes that you would be scrolling on Instagram or, or Facebook or Marketplace, 
Help me, Jesus. I'm telling on myself, I need to come to the altar. But sometimes God said, if you just give me that time. He told me this uh, several weeks ago. He says, you're reading your word because you're trying to get a word. When's the last time you read your Bible just to be opening up your Bible? I said, ouch, that would hurt God. Sometimes you just got to get alone. You got to let the word transform and renew your mind because we're all battling with something. And listen, like that song just said, sometimes you just got to ask God for help. Listen, he ain't afraid of your ask. Matter of fact, he said, ask and it shall be given unto you. Knock and the door will be open for you. Seek and I'm going to show up every single time you do those things. So this morning, says, y'all stand with me. As we go for the next three weeks talking about Jesus and the ascent, it wasn't a descent to the cross, it was ascent to the cross. You know why? Because God was preparing him in the wilderness for the cross. He was preparing him way ahead of time because he knew Jesus in his humanity was gonna face Father I really don't want to do this. But if you want me to, your will be done. As he was testing him, the enemy was testing him in the wilderness, Jesus was passing the test. You know what he passed the test with? The Word of God. Every single time he came to him, he said, It is written. You got to get that Word inside of you because you're gonna have the tempter come to you. You're gonna have the tester come to you and he's gonna be he's going to be speaking to you when you have the word hidden in your heart. You're gonna say, no, 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 no. That's not what God said about me. No, you may say that. You may be speaking against me, but that ain't what God's saying. So this morning, maybe the enemy has tempted you not to believe there's even a God. Maybe there's some things that have been going on in your life and he's been telling you, there's really not a God. Why would God allow this? Or he's always coming in with those thoughts. I'm gonna ask you right now this morning to renew your mind in Jesus. I'm gonna ask you to say, I'm not gonna think the way that I've been thinking. I am gonna change my thought patterns today. He's caused you to doubt, but God says, let faith arise in this place. You've been fighting for something. You've been believing for something. I'm telling you one thing right now. You're standing at the edge of it. In June, Pastor Mindy said, we're standing at the edge of God doing something, and it's showing up right now. It may not happen overnight. God's doing a new thing. He wants to show himself real to you this morning. And if you've never experienced that, he wants to change your life today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week. As James said, life is a vapor. It's, you're not promised tomorrow. So as they open up these altars, and you've never given your life over to Jesus. Let's all bow our heads, please. There's no one looking around. If you've never made that commitment to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know who you are. I'm gonna ask you this morning, first of all, to make a step. Because sometimes that step is the biggest thing you can do to step out of your seat 
and to come down and acknowledge Christ in front of everyone. So if you wanna do that while this song is, I'm gonna ask you to come up, we'll have people to pray with you on the left and on the right. I don't know if they're in the back of this last part, but they'll be up here to pray with you. But if you wanna accept Jesus into your heart this morning, that part is simple, walking out's the hard part. But this morning, I'm gonna ask you to say, Jesus, come on, let's all repeat it. Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Make me new. I acknowledge that you are the Son of God. The Bible says, believe in your heart and out of your mouth is salvation. So this morning, as these altars are open and maybe you've been facing something, maybe you've been walking with God for years and you're still facing something that you need to leave at the altar this morning. Can I tell you there's a God that heals and he's the same God? Can I tell you there's a God that restores and he's the same God? Can I tell you there's a God that, that forgives you of everything that you've done in your past? Oh, there's still someone struggling with what they've done five years ago or 10 years ago. I wanna tell you something. When Jesus said, it is finished, it is finished. And it needs to be finished this morning. So as they get ready to sing, the prayer team's up here. Come on, let's give Jesus what he paid for. Thank you for joining us today. If you're looking for more information or resources, you can visit mybigchurch.com or follow us on social media at mybigchurch. We love you guys. See you soon.